Welcome back to K-Chat with me, your host, Kayla Morales. We chat all things from love to business to spirituality, health and wellness, and everything in between. This is a space of growth and meaningful connection, and I'm so excited to chat with you all today. So let's get to chatting. Welcome back, guys. I hope you all enjoyed the last episode, the Men Are Trash episode. Um, I heard some feedback from my brother and I'm really thinking about doing a part two, like male perspective of the phrase. So yeah, if you guys are interested in that, leave a comment. If you're watching here on YouTube, drop a comment and let me know. If you're listening to it on the podcast, uh, drop a comment on one of the posts on my Instagram um, and let me know if you want to see a part two male perspective of the phrase. I feel like it might be fair to, to, to hear their side of things. So yeah. So anyway, my mom told me that my intros are too long, <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet. But today I chat with Yari Service. Um, they are an artist a organizer and a musician and so many other things um i'm always inspired by their work so yeah i learn a lot from them and i think they deserve like a follow and support their work if you can um because they're always doing great things so yeah follow along at um practical somatics and i'm not sure what yari's uh personal instagram is but i will link it below for sure and so yeah this episode where we are talking about breathwork because they are also a body worker um so we're talking about breathwork and mindfulness practices check it out i hope you guys enjoy it i hope you uh take something juicy from it and yeah that's it for my intro short and sweet i hope you're happy mom bye guys So let's welcome Yadi Service to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi. Welcome, Thank welcome, you. welcome. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were obviously getting to talk a little bit before we got on here. And um, I was telling Yadi how excited I am to have them on here because I feel like this is an important conversation and I feel like they're really good at breaking it down in an easily digestible way. Um, So we'll be talking all about um, somatic work and breath work and mindfulness. So let's get into it. Yes. (laughs) So I want to just start with like, what does practical somatics mean to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I feel like the word somatic, unless you're like in like healing whatever circles, that's that might be like kind of a foreign word. Yeah. Um, so I like to break that like name down into it's like two respective parts, right? The first is like practical. Mm-hmm. So for me, that means things that are useful in a tangible way. Um, things that like are immediately applicable. Mm-hmm. Um for example, okay, this is, this is like such a basic example, but like a water bottle. My water mm-hmm. bottle is really practical because it means I can take water everywhere I go and then I stay hydrated. Like that is a useful 
like an applied useful thing. So, and then somatic, um, means like relating to the body. Um, and it's used often in relationship to, um, trauma. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for me, practical somatics is about, um, learning and developing practical, immediately applicable skills, um, rooted in the body that help us address physical trauma that we experience. Yes. Um, so Yadi has begun, um, her latest pro or their latest project is um on Instagram and it's called Practical Somatics, right? The yeah, handle. Yeah. Um and so basically they break down breath work and other mindful tools to use. Um and so if you want to check that out, that's kind of where all of this outline is kind of based on. <laughs> um so what does sharing this sort of work mean to you? Like, why did you start Practical Somatics? Um, <laughs> so I, I, I manage CPTSD and ADD. Um, and I like, I have a panic disorder. It's not the most fun. It's not ideal. Um, mm-hmm. And I started um, like going through uh, like formal recovery in the past few years. You know, I started going to counseling and I got a psychiatrist. Um, And those are, you know, they're helpful to a degree, but I was finding that like, um, you know, talk therapy, cognitive therapy didn't really, it's, it still didn't address like the physical experience that I was having specifically Mm -hmm. around like anxiety and panic because like those, like those, they're not a cognitive, like mental thing. I mean, certainly like you'll have anxious thoughts. But like, it really like happens in your body, right? Like your heart beats really fast. You're breathing, you get sweaty. It's like, you feel like you're going to die. Yeah. So, um, so I started incorporating breath work and mindfulness into my own recovery practice. And that really came from, um, my theater practice beforehand. And then COVID happened and then everyone was alone in their houses and isolated and sad (laughs) and people like like collectively I like saw my friends being like more anxious more depressed um and I couldn't make theater um and so it it kind of made sense to start taking these skills that I had already been teaching for a few years to actors Mm-hmm. And to like teach it through this trauma informed lens through like, you know, a digital format because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I don't know, like that's, that's kind of how I came to this work, um, you know, through like my own personal need to have like actual practical skills that I can use to make living in the world a more possible thing. Yeah. Um and as I was, uh, like developing this idea more thoroughly, I, um, you know, I started learning about like resilience, how resilience is like cultivated. Um, and I started learning about how like bodies soothe each other. Like that's mm. how, that's how we learn how to self-soothe in the first place as humans. We learn when we're like infants mm. from our caregivers. Um, and 
yeah. And then I, you know, I came to the realization that so many of us don't like, we're not born into circumstances under which we have access to like self-soothing skills. Like we don't always learn that in our childhood. I certainly didn't. Um, yeah. And, and I like began to look at that in relationship to the like oppressive, uh, systems that we live under Mm -hmm. and the way that those cause trauma and then kind of came to this understanding that, um, that if we can learn to collectively address and resolve the trauma that we experience, it will become uh, more, it, it'll, it'll be easier for us to cope with living under the systems as they exist. And then when we're able to do that, it'll be easier to change them. Yes. Yeah. And then it feeds into itself, right? Because like, say theoretically the systems go away. Say there's like no more racism and no more patriarchy. Poof, gone. (laughs) Yeah. The trauma that they caused is still there. Right? Like, even if the system is still- I have never really thought about that, but yes, a hundred percent. Yes, you got it. You have to resolve the trauma. And it's like Mm -hmm. circular, I think. Yeah, it definitely is. uh, Yeah. So for me, it's like really about, um, creating an opportunity for us collectively and particularly for like people within marginalized like groups, Mm -hmm. um, to cultivate like a collective resilience so that, you know, like we can, we can address our own personal traumas and then become more powerful collectively to address, you know, collective trauma. Yeah. So a few things. Um, one thing was, I know I mentioned this, I don't think we were recording when I mentioned this, but you taught me a lot when I worked with you as you were the director of a play I was in. Um, Mm -hmm. and you did incorporate like breath work and like mindfulness right before. And you even made me cry one day. (laughs) It was like, Oh Oh my gosh. Wait, I don't even remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just like, I don't know. That was the first time for me that, I mean, obviously a lot of theater games and stuff kind of include that kind of work but that was the first time a director had set aside like time for Mm. for honoring the land that we're on and some breath work and really like grounding I mean obviously we always like kind of connect with one another before we play yeah but I think that was the first time it was done like that for me and it was really powerful so yeah I'm excited that that then you know well that was started from your own healing and then now you're sharing that healing with other people by creating um this digital platform for this work right and I lost all my other thoughts (laughs) no I'm I'm glad that you're so jazzed yeah (laughs) yeah and like I don't know like as a as a director I think those practices are super important right like the job of the actor um, I mean, I don't know, I guess like depending on what you're in, if you're in a light comedy, then I, whatever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're in like work that you have to emotionally invest in and then asks you to, uh, you know, commit to like strong emotions, mm-hmm. um, like creating those in your body for the sake of other people's, you know, entertainment, I suppose, like it's really important to be able to process those emotions because whether or not like they're like fake emotions, they're still happening yeah. for you as an actor, you're still inhabiting them. Yeah. And so you need like a healthy way to process that. A hundred percent. So I didn't really take that that seriously in the beginning. <laughs> I remember my first, one of my 
literally the second play I was ever in was untold mm. for the fringe festival. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see it, but it I was like I've heard that name. But it I don't was. Know. Yeah. You probably just cause blind spot and the connection between all the theaters in San Diego, mm. but, but um, yeah, it was, it was created by blind spot and it was on mental health. And so it was oh. a very heavy show, but it was one of my first mm-hmm. plays. So I didn't realize like, I didn't realize the connection, but anyways, years later. So like recently during COVID as a lot of our mental health, you know, Mm -hmm, problems mm -hmm. like rose. So did mine personally. And Mm I, I'm, I'm, I'll probably do an episode on this one day, but I had pretty much like a mental breakdown. And what happened Mm -hmm. during this breakdown was I was repeating like scripts and things that I didn't even realize that I remembered um, Mm. while doing other bizarre behavior. But like, that's when I really realized, like, not only is there a connection in your body to the roles you play, I kind of feel like um, the the show that I had just did before then. Um, before COVID happened? Before COVID happened, before mm. this breakdown happened, um, I had just played a role where I was, like, very depressed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the role. And, mm. and so then this depression kind of manifested and then led to mm-hmm. this like burnout and this like breakdown. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like, it's just like, is it a coincidence? I just played this role. Like, you know, and I'm like, no, it wasn't. Um, so as you're talking about it being in your body, yeah, I think it's important for all of us to remember that. And not even, not just actors, but even when you're, I don't know, even certain behaviors that you might be carrying out throughout your, your everyday life, like might be leading to traumas that are within your body that you're unaware of, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, I played sports for a long time and I didn't realize that like getting hit on the soccer field was traumatic, like to my body, (laughs) you know what I mean? I just didn't realize that for some reason. Mm -hmm. So like things like that, I think people forget that like our body takes it as an actual, an attack. Or like, you know what I mean? It takes it as like actual trauma, even though it might be a joke or something funny in real life that's just totally. happening. It could still, um, I don't know. Yeah. Carry that weight in your body. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I actually, um, actually want to expand on this a little bit. Cause I feel like, yeah. um, not everyone understands what trauma actually is. Breaking I feel like there's a lot I of misunderstanding. Too. Yeah. Around like what, what trauma is and, um, I, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong in what you're saying, okay. um, but no. Yeah. But I, I feel like it's just helpful to have an actual like definition, especially because we live, you know, in a time where like trigger warnings, like triggers yeah. like that, like that's, yeah, that's like very much in our, um, I don't know, colloquial, like daily life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I find it useful to be specific. So trauma is, trauma is not a feeling and it's not an event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well I should say trauma isn't an emotion. It's not an emotion. Um, and it's not an event. An event might be traumatic, but the Mm. trauma isn't the event itself. The trauma is the biological response that happens in your body Mm. when your brain feels like you're going to die. Um, <laughs> it's, okay. a, it's, it's a, like a biological survival response and, um, the thing about, so this, um, like this relates to the vagus nerve. It's kind of complicated. I won't like go super <laughs> deep into like <laughs> all of the nitty gritty biology. Um, but basically 
um, your the part of your brain that uh, you know that activates a trauma response can't tell the difference between things that are like actually threatening to your life. For example, being attacked by a wild animal or getting in a car crash versus things that um, are threatening to like our sense of identity, you know? So it, right. It perceives. So like, say, you know, say you're a person of color and you walk into a room and there's only white people there and all of them are suits and ties. Like they're all like really formally dressed and you're like fucking wearing jeans. You have your jam sport on your back. Yeah. Like that might feel like a really dangerous place for you. Your body isn't being physically threatened. Not, yeah. not to say that like systems of racism don't actually threaten lives because they do. But yeah. in this circumstance, <laughs> like for, yeah, for, for, this, for yeah. our explaining purposes, right? Um, yeah, your body isn't in physical danger, but your brain perceives the situation you're in as life threatening and then might activate this trigger response, this like trauma response. And it's, it's the same as if you were being like chased by a wild animal. It's, it's literally the same body response. So my and, question, and that's what oh, the trauma is. That's trauma. So that's crazy because, well, it's not crazy. That's the wrong word to use. That's just wild to me. I feel like that would mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, could could you be reading something that's traumatic? For and sure. Cause? And so, I mean, obviously we know we should be conscious about the things that we're consuming. Like we understand mm-hmm. that. But, but I never understood that the things that we're consuming even music or anything could be causing actual trauma in our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, (sighs) uh, people, everyone experiences trauma differently. So one thing that might be, you know, triggering for one person, Mm -hmm. like the same thing might not be for another, you know, even if they have like the same, um, like, you know, intersectional identity, like background. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know when you like mentioned reading something like whether or not that could elicit a trauma response. The first thing I thought of was like scripture, like Christian scripture mm-hmm. for a lot of like queer people, for example, yeah. who perhaps like grew up in a religious context where they weren't like allowed to be, you know, the people that they are like that yeah. can be traumatic. Yeah. Very yeah. Wow. Um, that just makes me think of everything I'm consuming in a different way. Mm hmm. You have to be careful what you consume. That's yeah, like, and I feel like I am, but still, now it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, can you break down what breath work is and why you? Yeah, think it's so for powerful? sure, totally. So, um, breath work is. <laughs> um, I don't think it's like this, like mystical, yeah, like, yeah, it's, intense, it's like magical thing. It's I think breathwork is actually incredibly simple. Um, my like simple definition for it is the act of like breathing consciously, mm-hmm. and that doesn't even necessarily mean like controlling your breath or like breathing for like a really long time or like it. It doesn't mean like breathing in any kind of way. It just means paying attention. Yeah. To what, to how you're breathing when you are, which is all of the time. Um, (laughs) And um, in terms of like why it's so effective, particularly for trauma, that relates back to what I was mentioning earlier, right? Like this, this vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. Um, My, one of my favorite authors, Rasma Manekim, um, wrote this book called My Grandmother's Hands. Mm -hmm. Very much recommend. Go read it. It's really great. 
if you're looking for like practical, um, you know, somatic practices to do on your own in your own home, this is a really great book. It like, particularly if you're a person of color, um, it was written in the context of like, uh, like police brutality. Mm. Um, and you know, so so this author is like exploring the ways that, um, white body supremacy has like caused trauma on everyone, including white people and how they have to like, uh, examine and resolve that. And then it has like a bunch of different practices that help you do so like in your, in your own life. Um, Oh gosh, I got all excited about Resmunekum. Now I forgot the question. Breathless. Why is it so powerful? <laughs> yes. um, oh, my point. This author calls the vagus nerve the soul nerve. Because exactly because, like earlier I was saying, like your like your brain uh perceives um, you know, threats to your identity as like physical threats. So, you know, it's like yeah. if something touches your soul, right? So that's why this yeah. person calls it the soul nerve. Um, and this nerve connects to your lizard brain, runs down your spine, connects to all of your major organs, including your heart and your lungs. And so when you're, when you like go into a state of activation, the vagus nerve goes, ah, I think I'm going to die. Hey, hey, nervous system. Hey, you organs get ready to run away or get ready to fight. Yeah. Um, right. And so, yes, that's, so that's one thing. Um, why breathwork is so powerful is because it gives us a language that we're able to use to talk back to our vagus nerve because mm. our vagus nerve doesn't speak English, right? Yeah. Like, like you can't be like, Hey, trauma response. I don't like it. Please stop. Like that doesn't, yeah. I, anyone with anxiety will tell you that does not work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But, but our, like the vagus nerve, our, our um, nervous system, it understands like body language. So if we can consciously slow down our breathing, mm. if we can, um, you know, man manipulate the way that we breathe in order to slow our heartbeat and change the like, the like behavior of our organs, yeah. then a message gets sent all the way back up that chain to the vagus nerve. And it's like, hey, bro, we're safe. It's chill, dude. Like we're good. We're safe right now. Um, uh, and yeah, I, for me, at least that's why breathwork has become so powerful is because, yeah. um, when I've like been in these moments of like panic or activation, it gives me a way to like calm that response and then have agency over my experience so that I can like respond to whatever situation I'm in, in a way that I want to, as opposed to curling up on the floor and crying for half an hour yeah um <laughs> yeah i feel and, you yeah yeah i mean aside from i mean there's a ton of other benefits like breath work helps your digestion if you're constipated like do some belly breaths it'll totally it'll totally help it's great um for that sort of thing i uh um, yeah i asked because recently my mom asked and so i sent her so many posts actually but um i yeah, I mean, I think breathwork has helped me a lot in certain situations where mm. I would have definitely acted impulsively, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and in other moments where it's just like all happening internally, but I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to breathe right now. Yeah, like you need, like you need a moment, you, yeah. need, a, you need to create a little space between you and your experience. Yeah. yeah. And actually I think, um, 
I feel like the more I've practiced breath work or the more intentional I've gotten about breathing, I've learned how to breathe deeper. I didn't know how deeply mm-hmm. I could actually breathe. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like opening, like, I just feel like I'm unlocking something every time I can go a little deeper, which is kind of cool in a way, you I know? I love that. Yeah. yeah. I was at, for honestly, most of my life, this is like very recent. I feel like I've been a very shallow breather. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know, like, I didn't know I was a shallow breather. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because it's unconscious. Like, you don't think about breathing. You just do it so that you yeah. be alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I feel like, um, you know, people in, like, marginalized people groups, like, often develop patterns of shallow breathing and also breath holding because we're, like, often in situations where we feel not safe. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, for some people, like, you know, some people like live in a constant state of activation. Like that's what like anxiety is, right? Like your body is in a constant state of like awareness to protect you from, you know, whatever perceived dangers. So yeah, yeah, totally. That's super common, I think. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, where do you think the disconnect, because the disconnect between proper breathing has happened, Mm -hmm. obviously in situations like you, that you just explained, but, um, I don't know. Like, why do you think it seems like so many of us are out of touch with our breath? I mean, we could talk about society, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I think part of it is like who you are, what your identity is, how you exist in the world, how the world reacts to you, because that's going to like do something to your brain um, and, you know, affect the way that you feel you're able to like move and be in the world. So that's one thing. But also I think something that's unique in the last, like, I don't know, like maybe 30 years, maybe eh? with like, (laughs) like things like shift, like uh, to this digital world, like for the most part, right? Like everything is online. Like even, even, I mean, it's COVID now, but even if like you go into an office to work, like everything you do is on a computer, it's on the internet. You know, I think um, like we're lucky as, as theater artists, because like we get to like go to rehearsal and then move around (laughs) our body. (laughs) Like part of what's really special about it. Um, But I think because of that, like we, we end up, like in a like physically we end up sitting for long periods of time and not moving um we like look at screens and like get really engaged in like you know digital digital worlds rather than like the tactile world that is around us and when you do that for long enough at least in my experience um I mean, and again, I don't think this is necessarily true for everyone, but certainly in my experience, when I was working in an office, um, I stopped like listening to my body signals and actually more than that, I stopped recognizing my body signals, right? Like I, like I didn't get hungry. I, I didn't notice when my body was hungry. I didn't notice when my body was thirsty. I didn't even notice when I had to pee, you know? Um, and so so interesting, it kind of like it begs the question of like is it intentional (laughs) like you know like technically you would want us to be working like and not thinking about our ourselves (laughs) right right because if you don't take breaks to go drink water and to eat a good meal and to like walk outside and do anything other than sit at your desk and like 
be productive, I mean, you know, like it's less, it's less profit for whoever your boss is. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that's a symptom of capitalism. Um, yeah. And then like, yeah. And then exacerbated by like how digital things have become. I think that, yeah, we just, we just forget to listen to our body signals. So part of like mindfulness, part of meditation is like relearning how to listen to our bodies when we want something. Um, and then honoring that like ask that our body is like saying, you yeah. know, like when we're thirsty, like saying, okay, I will stop what I'm doing. What I'm doing right now, like is not as important as me drinking some water. Yeah. Um, which like, I don't know, like maybe it doesn't really sound radical, but like go for a day like that. Like every single time you feel thirsty, you find yourself in the middle of something important, like stop doing that and go drink water. And like, it's hard it's hard yeah. to do that that's like another like, level feels- of like self-love <laughs> like just really right? nourishing yourself when you ask for it like yes. Yeah. yes and I yeah I don't know I feel like we're trained um to like think that what we do is more important than like what we're experiencing um and I don't think that's true yeah, it's definitely not true. Yeah, um, but I we're definitely think- trained to think that. And and yeah, it's capitalism. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. But um, but I think I think I think things are kind of shifting where people are understanding. Like, we really got to start taking care of ourselves. And and our I think planet. so. I think part of that is because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, because right, because everyone had to go home. And then yeah, like and be, be with at themselves. home <laughs> and be with themselves. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Dude? Um, and then also like, you know, I think the state of isolation that people experienced exacerbated things that people were already experiencing, but maybe mm-hmm. weren't aware of. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think like there's a boom in awareness because of that. I also think like, I don't know, like yoga, like healing, whatever culture is like, really experiencing a boom and a lot of attention. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that that can get to contentious. I don't want to get into like the consumerism. Yeah. Of yeah. Yoga, Cause that's like a whole other bucket of fish. I actually but, really want to do an episode on it. Um, and, yeah. And yeah, that's like a whole nother topic for sure. Yeah. Wanna... I'll listen to that episode. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like trying to, yeah. Yeah. I just have to get it get it right um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what are your favorite breathwork techniques or patterns that you use yeah that's a good question yeah. um I kind of I <laughs> I kind of use all of them like there there are so many different ways of breathing and yeah. I kind of use all of them because all of them are useful in different moments mm mm-hmm. Um, so depending on like how I'm feeling or what my body needs, like I'll, I'll adjust my breathwork practice to match that. Is it something that you do intuitively or is it something that you're like, I know for sure this, this technique is going to help this and I'm feeling this. Like, is it, or is it more like, Hmm, I want to do the little nostril breathing today. Like, you know, do you just (laughs) do what you feel like doing? Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, I think maybe a little bit of both. I think that, you know, it's intuitive in that, like, I'm feeling what my body is telling me. 
And then based on that, I like make a choice, but that choice is like still conscious and still active. Right. Uh, Um, and yeah, so I feel like a little bit of both. Um, but also like, I don't know when I'm learning, like when I've just recently learned like a new kind of breathing technique, like usually like I'll practice that one a lot. Or if there's one that I'm like teaching to folks, then I'll practice that one a lot. Um, yeah, but I don't know, like, okay, here's, here's my question. Is there like something, you know, is there like some body response that like happens frequently for you? What, like, what would that be? And, and then like, I don't know, maybe I can like, Hey, do this little breath work. Um, I guess for me, the biggest thing is, is anxiety and like Mm -hmm. just holding my breath. Mm, yeah patterns of breath holding I I feel you I uh that's super real um and I've been doing a little more breath holding in the last week too actually um yeah so mm -hmm. okay so there there are a couple of different breathwork techniques that are really good for anxiety um a really common one that people have probably heard of is four, seven, eight. Um, Mm -hmm. but because you're in this pattern of breath holding, I would say don't do that one because right. Like the four, seven, eight, the way it works, like you inhale for four. Yeah. You hold for seven. So that maybe is like not so helpful. (laughs) What's funny is I think I, (laughs) what's funny is I typically do one where I hold or I do like, um, or like I'll, I'll do like this little pressure point here and breathe or I'll do Mm -hmm. the nostril. But yeah, it's the funny if the hold one doesn't help breath. because I do that one. Yeah, but those. not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not yeah. if you're like trying to. I and breath holding can be really helpful if you're experiencing anxiety, and, like your heart is beating really fast because mm. it'll help slow down your heartbeat. Um, mm. but yeah, I don't know. Like every every moment we experience anxiety, if you do, like it's it's different every time. You know? Yeah. Um. Definitely. So for that, like I think, um, like one of my maybe like a few of my go tos would be like. The purse lip breath. I don't know. Um, no, okay, I'll explain that one. And then okay. also um, any any breath pattern where like the exhale is twice as long or longer than the mm. inhale. So okay. like a four eight breath, yeah. Um, so and I think I think that's like kind of explains itself, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the purse lip breath um is one of my favorites it's really good if you're experiencing like a lot of big emotions Mm -hmm. that are overwhelming it's really good for that it's also really good um for relieving uh like muscle tension you Mm -hmm. know like sometimes you might find like you're in a yoga class you're like doing a stretch or whatever and you're like my body the like that my body doesn't go like that i don't know what you're doing (laughs) but like my body don't do that um (laughs) this person like breath can like help relax our muscles mm. um which is also fun fact where some trauma can like get embedded and stored right yeah um yeah and a purse lip breath can help release some of that um so the way it works is you breathe in through your nose and then exhale through your mouth like you're gonna blow steam off a cup of tea um or you're gonna blow through a straw um and you want to make sure not to blow too hard yeah, I think like when we're anxious, like <laughs> like that, like that yeah. might be a thing. Like it's not, it's not Lamaze breathing. Like <laughs> you're not pushing out a baby. Um, it's better to like keep the breath like relaxed, um, and the exhale nice and slow because as you elongate the exhale, that's when 
um, you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system, which can then send that signal back to your vagus nerve and be like, Hey, Hey guy, we're good. We're safe. Mm-hmm. See how I'm exhaling. I'm not inhaling a lot because I don't need to like run anywhere. So we're good. We're safe. I see. How do I spell yeah. it per? Yeah. Pers- <laughs> P-U-R-S-E-D. Pers- okay. lip- yeah. Purse lip breath. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, thank you for breaking that down. I'm going to yeah, look it up and definitely try Please uh, do try. Oh, I actually have, um, sorry. I'm trying to remember <laughs> the, the episode of It's Breathwork Baby that I've filmed so far. I guess I haven't actually done an episode on a purse slip breath yet. So I'll not, I haven't filmed one yet. So I'll, I'll do that. And then when it's out, I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'll definitely watch it and share it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Yadi has a bunch of other, uh, a few other videos on breathwork techniques that she leads you through on practical somatics on Instagram. Yeah, they're real fun. It's a breathwork. It's a, it's an IGTV series called it's breathwork baby. So look for, follow that hashtag or I guess, Look it up on IGTV. I don't really know how IGTV works. Yeah. I just upload things. To I think be you're right. I know me too. <laughs> I think you're totally right though. Um, but yeah, it's it's tricky because like there's a new thing that comes out like every few weeks, and you're like, okay, oh now we God. got reels. The like, pressure, no. the pressure to produce like new content is wild. I'm sure you experience that, right? As like an artist, yeah, it makes me feel um, really guilty when I don't too. It's something I'm trying to work on, right? Yeah, which is wild. That's wild yeah. to me. It's like Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. And it thinks for it's free kind of most of the time. So it's like, why am I feeling guilty about not doing this? Yeah. 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 It can, it's like, it's, it's like built to be addictive, mm-hmm. which is like, I don't know. I think it's like wild for people who are like artists or in like wellness. Cause mm-hmm. then like you're, you're like trying to promote this thing, but at the same time you're on an app that is like affecting you and your personal life to do the opposite of what you're like encouraging others to do. And yeah. It's just like such a, such a mind conflicting a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's also important work, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. um, I would love for you to break down. Uh, I think you have a post on it, but I mean, this is something that is, I'm sure everyone would agree with. Um, to break down why self-care is a radical act, especially mm-hmm. in your work as an artist, as an activist, like, why is it important to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is actually, yeah, this is actually really important to me. I think like, so I feel like, I mean, I don't know, maybe this isn't true. Maybe it isn't true. But my feeling is that the common understanding of self-care is oversimplified Mm. that it's about like spa night Mm -hmm. and like you know I'm gonna get your nails I mean like (laughs) yeah get my nails did I'm gonna like do my hair I'm gonna like put on all my nice makeup I'm gonna like wear my fuzzy robe which like I mean self-care can be those things and like enjoy honestly life is hard enjoy (laughs) um but I but I don't think I think like self-care is I don't know like um a bigger just something bigger than that especially so for people who come from marginalized communities right because like you may not always have the time to have a spa night or like wear your fuzzy robe maybe you don't even have a fuzzy robe you know like Maybe you can't afford cake. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so, but like self-care is still incredibly essential. And um, 
this is, I think it also relates back to why we experience trauma in the first place, right? Like we have these oppressive systems that we live under, um, imperialism, capitalism, white body supremacy. And especially um, capitalism, but, you know, really all of them, um, the way, wow, I'm sorry, I'm like so distracted by the spider. I need to like turn in a different direction. <laughs> well, your <laughs> like, plant is really beautiful. Crawling around. Oh, thank you. It's, um, there's like a couple over here. Oh, okay. You got yeah. a forest. You're fiddling. Yeah. luscious. Thank you. He's um actually belongs to someone else. I've been he's this just been living with me for the past few months. Oh, I've been sweet. like plant sitting, but I but I love him. That's so I love sweet. him a lot. Um okay. Rain it in. Rain it in, kid. <laughs> yeah, you're on um, um capitalist and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So um the effect that imperialism, capitalism, white body supremacy, all these things have on our bodies is that they expect our bodies to be profitable, mm -hmm. um, to like be constantly working. And then also when you think about like white body supremacy in particular, it like, it says that some bodies are more important than other bodies. Yeah. Some bodies are important and other bodies are disposable. Yeah. And so if you're in the bucket of people for whom those systems say these bodies are disposable. Like if you, you know, if you're like a disabled person, if you are a person of color, if you are queer, if you are indigenous, like yep. if you are fat bodied, you know, mm -hmm. um, then to invest love and care and time into your own body, like that is radical because you're saying yeah. all these other systems, they're wrong. My body yep. is not disposable. And actually the opposite of that my body is special and it is a priority yeah. and like it deserves to be cared for so like that one radical on a personal level and then i also think that self-care is really really essential for um anyone who works in activism because uh you know because of like burnout you know, yeah. burnout culture is super real, right? I mean, the like the forces are big. The enemy is well armed. Um, oh yeah. There's right, like there's there's a lot that we're fighting against in yeah. in like so many different fields, and so the pressure to work really hard all the time is real because like the enemy doesn't sleep. Yeah. Right. Like the yeah. machine doesn't turn off. So if you're an activist and you're not pushing against, like if you're not like wedging the thing in its gears to make it stop then maybe it'll get worse like that i think maybe yeah. like that's the feeling um but that was a great example actually yeah thank you um <laughs> but, but when we operate in that way like it's unsustainable you know like maybe right. you can do that for a month two months whatever i mean maybe you're like i don't know maybe you're like the energizer bunny you have so much energy you could do that for a few <laughs> years i can't um but like eventually you're gonna burn out yeah. and the problem with that is that like then you burn out and then no one is doing whatever, like no one is doing the, work, the resistance yeah. that you do, um, you know, in the most extreme situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then what? Yeah. And, and then there's no resistance. That's not, that's not sustainable. So, and, um, I don't know when you think about like the history of these systems, like these are, these are centuries old, 
These yeah. are old systems. They're going to outlive us. I know. That's so, what I was going to say is they, they started before us and they're going to outlive they us started too. Before, like they're they're going to outlive us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, not like, even that they started. I guess they long just had game. access before us. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, so, so resistance is a really, really long game. And mm-hmm. so to like operate on like this, level of urgency that causes burnout actually doesn't serve the purpose of resistance. Yeah. You know, resistance is the most powerful when it's like long standing. Um, and so because of that on an individual level, I think that like self-care is really, really important for activists to engage in so that they can care for themselves sustainably and continue their work. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you can like probably translate that to anyone who does anything, right? Like yeah, if you, yeah. if you know, if you like are an actor and you have like plays back to back to back to back to back, you're going to burn out at some point. If you're an yeah. office worker and like, you're like working um, like past hours till like 8 PM and then you go home and you like have to do all this other shit and you don't sleep till three and then you get up at six, like that's not sustainable. You can't, yeah. you can't, you can't live like that. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there are people who argue and say you can, but yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I, want to. I wouldn't yeah. want to either. It's a choice I, that you can I think, make. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a choice. And yeah, it's just not for me. I don't know what I was going to say. But I was like, that's kind of the yeah. reason I just always want to create. I yeah. I just always want to create my own schedule if I have that privilege. Cause like, I know it's, it's when you're an artist, it's like, it's hard. It's like, I can't, I can't wear the rules. I don't, it's so hard. I don't work that way. I don't trust like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's radical to say that like, we deserve to use our time in the way that we want to use it Yeah. rather than my time belongs to this other entity that like makes profit when I put my time into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there are so many ways that self, self-care is radical. And also, um, I think that, you know, like self-care isn't just like bath bombs and funny, fuzzy robes, right? Like yeah. self-care is like deep self-reflection. Yep. You know, it is going to therapy. It is confronting like the trauma that is in your body. It can be painful. It can be really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like it's it's not just, I mean... And it is also pleasure. Like it can also be pleasure, but it's not only pleasure. So I think like that's another way in which, yeah, I think of it as being radical, that it's not just this like really easy thing necessarily. Yeah. I think earlier you brought up a good point too, by saying like when we, when we heal ourselves, you know, then we can eventually heal the cycles and heal the, the Mm -hmm. collective trauma. Um, and instead of like allowing it to, to continue. Right. So part of that is self-care and and for that it's radical too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. If you had (laughs) to leave us with a final bit of advice in regards to our ability to heal ourselves, what would it be? Man, I I love this question. It's also like such a hard question. It's hard. Yeah. I have to share this like wisdom. What is the wisdom that I (laughs) can like let me let me put on my guru hat. But like, I'm not, anything, like anything I don't you say is gonna way. be perfect. Yeah. Oh, thank it you. Is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I feel like for me, the answer to this is a continuation of the last question about, you know, why self-care is a radical act. And, you know, uh part part of like my advice would be really a reminder 
right? That healing is a long game. Like in the same way that resistance is a long game, healing yeah. is a long game. It's like, it's never done. You're never finished. You're never, you, bef- until you die. Like you're never finished healing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not like you like climb a mountain, you get to the top and then you're done. You're like, made it, I'm healed yeah. forever. I nothing, no more trauma ever in my life. That's, yeah. that's just not, that's not how being a human works. Do you know, um, do you know that story? <laughs> I'm sorry to distract you and go no, off, please. but do you know that story? It's like a, I don't know if it's a myth or a Greek. I can't remember where the story came from. But of the man who was like cursed and he had to roll this like boulder up the hill mm. and it just always yeah, fell yeah, back yeah. down. That's kind of how he like trying is. to remember <laughs> his name. Um oh gosh, I used to know all of these. I was like a real Greek myth. I wish I did in I elementary. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I listen, I was really deep in a Percy Jackson book. Like all, all I don't know if you remember those, but I, I was a big nerd. Um, shout out, shout out to all my, my Greek mythology nerds and oh. everyone reading Laura Olympus on Webtoon right now. But, um, shoot, I can't remember his name. Wow. That's going to bother me. I have to look it up later. Um, but <laughs> I yeah, think about yeah. that story often actually. Oh, it was Prometheus. Okay. I believe I you. Think? I don't know. I don't know. I have to look oh, it wait, up. No, maybe Prometheus had his liver eaten out by an eagle. Oh my God, <laughs> this is it, it's, it's gruesome. Anyway, yeah, no. Okay, so the story is um, this guy uh, whose name I don't remember does some crime against the gods that I don't remember and then is cursed by Zeus for all of eternity to roll this hill, like this rock up a hill. But then every time he almost makes it to the top, he's cursed to have the rock fall backwards and then he has to push it up all over again for yeah. the rest of eternity. Um, that's healing everyone. Not no, yeah, super healing. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think about this story all the time. This is like the one story that stuck with me. Like, I never want to have to do that, but that's kind of what I don't know. I get yeah, it. But I mean, I think you're kind of right. Like as, as gruesome as that might sound, I think you're kind of right though, because like healing, I think we hear this a lot, right? Healing is nonlinear, mm-hmm. you know, like some days are going to be really fucking good. And some yeah. days are going to be really fucking terrible. And it's not like always up, right? Like you can have a really good day. And then the next day, like things can be really not good. Um, And that's okay. And that's like naturally a part of the healing process. And what's important is not like how many good days we have or how many bad days we have. Of course, you know, having, having good days is nice, but, but that number isn't important. What's important is how we respond and how we, um, you know, take care of ourselves throughout all of those like changes. Yeah. Um, so and I yeah, think, one I thing. I think in a way, like not to diminish like the bad days, but like I think in a way when we kind of think about how we can respond and take care of ourselves through the bad days, those mm-hmm. make the bad days better. And then the bad days Absolutely. aren't so bad, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's super important because like. When we can respond compassionately to ourselves and be like, you know what, today I'm really depressed. I'm really depressed and I feel like I can't do anything and I'm going to be compassionate and I'm going to like give myself room to not get those deadlines done. Yeah. Like that, that is such a kind and wonderful thing. Like that's a brave thing to do for yourself, right? Like that's radical. So yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, maybe that's the other piece of advice I would give, right? Like, okay, so. Healing is a long game. It's hard work and it's never done. And, you know, you need persistence to get like through all of these various ways. But um, what like really, 
you know, for me at least is the most helpful um, throughout all of that is like learning how to cultivate and practice self-compassion. Because then like when we can be compassionate towards ourselves, no matter what happens, we can respond to ourselves in love. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that sounds so gushy. I love it. Um, but it's true. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Like, um, like if you think about a friend, like having one of those really, really bad days, you know, and they came to you and they're like, oh, I really like, I feel guilty. I'm feeling terrible, but I have to do all this stuff, whatever. I like, I feel like such a bad person. Like your response to them isn't going to be like, yeah you're a bad person. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. no, what? No, of course not. Your response is like, bro, it sounds like you're having a hard time. Maybe you need to take a rest, you yeah. know? So when we're able, yeah, to respond to ourselves in that way, like that, you know, that's, that's what gives us the ability to like endure and be resilient and like persist through like, you know, all, all the ups and downs of like the healing process. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. See, that was great. Oh, thank um, you. I wanted to ask you, so you talked about in the beginning, this is me going back real quick and then we have the last mm. question. Um, but you talked about your your studying, how you started studying resiliency. resiliency. Mm-hmm. And I just, real quick, I would love like, if you can give just like, I don't know, a few insights on what that looks like how could yeah build their resilience resiliency yeah yeah and also like what even is resilience like what even what even like fucking is resilience at all um so what resilience is not is the ability to be completely unaffected by trauma Mm. resilience right that's not what resilience is resilience isn't like you know nothing can touch you resilience is right (laughs) resilience is like when (laughs) we have we absolutely have so for me resilience is like when when shit hits the fan when things aren't good when we're like in a bad emotional place Um, when we're like feeling triggered, when we're like having a trauma response, resilience is the ability to recognize that and like sit through it and let that be okay. And like, and move through and like with our experience, um, it's, you know, like it's, it, I mean, it sounds so counterintuitive, you know, because you would think that resilience is like, oh, I'm so resilient. I'm like, Uh, these things, these things don't touch me anymore. You know, I don't, I don't react in that way, but, um, it's interesting. That's what we were like taught, right? Like that, like resilience is like, just like being strong and not feeling anything. Right. And like, for me, that's literally the opposite of what resilience is. I would agree. It takes, no, it's okay. It (laughs) takes like a certain amount of strength to be able to face your own emotions and face your issues and traumas. Absolutely. It's scary. Yeah. It's hella scary and it's hard work. Like, you know, so yeah, there's tons of strength and resiliency in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So last, last question, where can our listeners find you at? Um, uh, rad. So obviously I think it's become pretty clear now that I'm on Instagram. That's the <laughs> easiest way to find my content. Um, my Instagram handle is practical somatics. Um, so yeah, that's that. 
Um, and then you can also find my link tree in my Instagram bio. But if you want to go directly to the link tree for, you know, whatever reason, um, it's like link T R or L I N K dot. Nope. L I N K T dot R E E. It's so weird. Cause it's like, it's not, it's a like a middle. middle. Yeah. But it's not even like after it's not even like between the two words. It's like in the middle of the second word. It mm. like throws me for a loop. I don't even know. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's Linktree, <laughs> Linktree like slash practical somatics. That's my, that's that. And then, um, you can find, uh, signups for my newsletter there. Uh, you can find information about any upcoming workshops. Um, there's gonna be a new like breathwork circle that I'm starting. Nice. Um, yeah, and I haven't like to I'm I haven't like totally announced yet, but it will it'll be there when it is announced. <laughs> um, yeah, and then also there's um, a free audio meditation that you can access. Yeah, and download through. Uh, through my link tree as well. It's really nice. It's um, it's called Roots of Connection. It's like basically this like roots visualization and it's for helping us like, you know, feel connected to the people around us, which I think is, you know, really important in the midst of COVID because it can feel quite isolating. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course there's my newsletter. You can sign up for all of that through, through my link tree, through Instagram. And then my email is yari at practical-somatics.com in case people have questions. I really love getting questions. Right? So, That's like yeah. the best part when someone talks to you. I love it. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm connect. like, you're interested. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk let's about be it. Friends. Let's talk about your trauma. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Yadi, for doing this. Had a lot of fun thank you for having me i did too i can't wait to i mean i say this after every episode but i just love watching them back and like really like i don't know <laughs> taking notes and stuff so thanks, yeah. thanks again